Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I am your tour guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in community, as well as intentionally serving our children. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and messy stories. In this podcast, we're going to hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. These stories will connect us and allow us to continue to grow into the men fatherhood is calling us to be. I bring each guest on due to a specific story they have shared with me, one that I think will make you laugh or help you grow. Get ready to meet my good friend, Matt. Matt, thank you for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Ned, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so Matt and I have known each other for a few years now, and uh, just recently we went to a basketball game to go see the Sacramento Kings. No. Well, I went to see the Sacramento Kings, and Matt went to see the New York Knicks. Correct. His all-time favorite basketball team. It was fun to watch because when Sacramento was standing, <laughs> Matt was sitting, and was Sa- Sacramento was sitting, Matt was standing. And Matt and the Sacramento fans... Had a lot of fun <laughs> interacting together. It was a blast. To one point, the people in front of us took a picture with Matt. I think they enjoyed Matt's enthusiasm for the Knicks and his intensity. So why do you like the Knicks so much? Uh, my father was born in New York, actually. Okay. So he raised us on the Knicks and the New York Giants, uh, specifically. So, yeah, just been a Knicks fan my whole life. So every time they come to town, you go see them? I try to go to the one game a year. They come to Sacramento one time a year. Have you ever been in New York? Yes. In fact, uh, took the wife uh, years and years ago, and the uh, game we got to see was LeBron James came to town. He dropped 55 on the Knicks, and everyone in the whole Madison Square Garden was rooting for him. So oh that was quite gosh. quite was the uh, scene. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. And as usual, the Knicks were horrible, so we got really great <laughs> seats for almost nothing. Well, that makes it fun. Yeah. So if they're no good, then you can go sit. Yeah, and we're like six rows back. It was crazy for ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and free beer, whatever they could do to get people there. We did get beer spilled on us. That's how crazy the night was. Oh my gosh! Shoot me for saying it. I'm not super into sports, but I do love going to games just because the culture and the everybody coming together. Yeah, it's fun. Is fun. All right, well, to give people a little bit of uh, understanding of who is Matt, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, okay? Okay. How old are you? 38. 38, all right. And you're married. How many years have you been married? This summer, we will be married 16 years. 16, so 26 years old? Am I doing math right? <laughs> no, your math's <laughs> horrible. I was 22. You're 22, get married, and you have kids now. Yeah, we're, now I have a four-year-old and a 14-month-old. Okay. So you waited a little bit, which we'll talk about later, to have kids. Sure. Okay. Uh, and what do your kids call you? Kids sometimes have a name for their dad. What do they call you? Lily, who's four, calls me daddy. That's so the best, right? It is, and I, I, I hope she calls me that forever. And uh, Jack, who's 14 months, he just kind of mumbles whatever comes out of his mouth. Uh, lately, it's been bye when I leave. That's what he That's what he musters up. So Okay. Is he excited when you come home? Yeah, he's well. He's he's the happiest baby you'll ever meet. So he's smiling all the time. So yeah. I just, you know, if it's me coming home or or just the way he is, either way, I'm happy with it. So when you're not at home, awesome dad. Most of us dads have to wake up in the morning and go 
provide. So what is your, uh, what does that look like? Gosh, well, uh, I do uh, machinery service, repair, support, sales, as long as, as, as well as software to go with that. So I sell machines that do manufacturing equipment. So CNC, computer numerically controlled equipment. Okay, so that's pretty specialized machinery. Yeah, a little bit. So you got to know specific stuff and you fly out and help set up the equipment and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I take the people through the whole thing from... The sales process to setting it up, training, getting things going, and then ongoing support as well. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, man. As a dad, what has been the best resource to you? I think community. Just having friends and family okay. that can be examples and support and discuss things. And there's been a few uh, kind of, uh, what do I want to call it, videos, training videos. Like a, like a really? class that I took. Yeah. Yeah. So the, when you, okay. So there's been some training videos too. You know, it was, it was kind of cool. My dad ha, had a, me and my brother-in-law and a couple other guys all do a, an online video class together. We would watch the video and then we'd get online. With and a, it was about parenting? It was about being a man. Oh, okay. So all the things that surround that. So, so part of it had parenting yeah. involved. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Right on. Um, okay. So rebel and create, as you know, <clears throat> those are two words I live by. Um, just to rebel against whatever it is, rebel against the status quo, rebel against the expectations the world puts on me or that I put on myself. And then out of that, create the story life that at the end of my life, I guess I'll be proud of. Yeah. So what's something that you're rebelling against right now? I think right now in my life, I think the, the idea would be rebel against distractions. Um, all of us have men have, as men have distractions in life, especially with the kind of business I have, I can always be on the email. I can always be mm. answering phones. I can, you know, so having a time to where you can actually turn that off and trying to do that, you know, I'm not good at it, but I'm working on it and being able to, when I'm home to be home. And so that's kind of the, the thing I'm, I'm trying right now. So do you have a set, um, at five 30, I turn my phone off or do you have anything set in place right now? Or is it more, you're just kind of getting into that space of how to best do that? Yeah. Trying to figure it out really, to be honest. Cool. No, um, the fact that it's on your mind, I think that's awesome. So out of that, you're rebelling against distractions to create what? Right now, quality time with the family. Um, I've already started it with my four-year-old daughter, Lily. We do a daddy-daughter date. And sometimes it's a daddy-daughter donut date. Yeah. Where we go to the donut shop. I let her pick out a donut. We sit there. She eats the donut. We talk. We hang out. She just loves that. And now she's getting to the point where she asks, hey, when's our next date? When's our next date? And so that's kind of cool when, when your little girl comes up to you and asks that. Yeah. How often do you do that? Uh, once every two or three weeks, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. So then when you're doing that, your your phone's off, right? You're the only time I'm taking it out is when I'm taking a picture. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen your Instagram. You take a lot of kid <laughs> pictures, but that's what it's about, right? Yeah, man. I'm interrupting this important conversation that you probably just started getting into with a big announcement. During the month of November and the beginning of December 2019, I need your help and this is all hands on deck. I've created a daily journal designed to help dads like you and I stay focused on being the engaged and intentional fathers we desire to be. Do you ever feel like I do sometimes, like you're not cutting it, you're not hitting the mark as a father? Well, my hope is that this journal would be one tool that could help you get there. But... 
it will not come to market unless it is funded. We are doing this through a crowdfunding website where it's all or nothing. So please go to our Instagram or Facebook at Rebel and Create and follow links to our Kickstarter campaign for the Fatherhood Legacy Journal. Or you can go to kickstarter.com and in the search put in Fatherhood Legacy Journal or Rebel and Create Fatherhood Legacy Journal and it'll pop up and we need your help. So please buy a journal for yourself, for a friend, or for a dad that you know. We would so appreciate it because... We believe fatherhood matters and we're doing all we can to spread the word and create tools that will help support dads everywhere. And now back to that important conversation you were just getting into. All right. So the reason that we're sitting down talking is, is you've shared several stories, which we could definitely probably have a few podcasts on, but I think that, um, when we start our families, there's this expectation of we're getting married, it's going to be fun, and we're going to get a house and have kids and have a perfect job and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is life is messy. And this podcast is about bringing on real stories that other dudes are going through right now. And so just would love for you to tell your story, got married at 22, and had this probably dream of what that looked like. And it maybe went different than expected. Yeah, man. So it's it's amazing when you think back so many years ago. I mean, my wife and I met when she was just 15. Dang. Um, started dating a year or two after that. And then dated for four or five years. I know I joke. Her, her dad told me, wait till she's out of high school. <laughs> and so um, we were only a couple years apart. But in terms of school, uh, even, even further than that, just because I started so early. Mm. And so... Um, she got out of high school. I was, uh, one year out of, out of uh, college when we got married. So she was still in college. And so she's 20, I'm 22 and she couldn't even have a drink at our wedding. I mean, that's how young we were. Yeah. And so that's where we started. But even before we were married dating for four or five years, I mean, you have many conversations, you talk and get to know each other really well. And we'd have actually started talking about having kids and the idea of that, um, even before marriage started. And the idea was, Ashley wanted a really big family, four or five plus kids. Did she have a big family? Uh, she had uh, a brother and a sister, but they were a decade or so older than okay, her. Okay, so she kind of longed for that bunch right. of kids close together. Right, exactly. Okay, so and you were down for this. You're 22 and she, you guys already talked about kids and you were excited to have kids too? I was down for three or four. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if I was down for the five, four or five plus maybe that she had in her mind. Mm-hmm. Because I'm more of a practical guy. When you start talking about kids, I start seeing dollar signs. Right. So I go, 10 kids, I'm going to have to have like MBA-style career. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I was totally open for that. And in fact, she had said, you know, we'll have uh, a couple of kids. We'll do the pregnancy thing. And then after that, I want to do adoption. Mm. I feel I feel a, a calling to that. I feel a heart after, you know, helping kids out that don't have families. And, so and I was what like, did wow. you think about that? I thought that was a cool idea. I thought, you know, I, I, w- I would totally embrace something like that. Yeah. Again, after we've had a couple of kids, yeah. our kids are maybe older. That's, yeah. That was kind of the idea. So, I mean, was this, you get married and you guys are ready to start talking about that now? Or was the plan get married and hang out together for a little bit? I think just naturally being so young, we weren't in a rush. We yeah. weren't going to start trying um, just on day one. Yeah, just practicing. But uh, I would say probably after the second year, we probably were talking about and trying to okay. to get that direction going. So you get married at 22 and 20. You already have a pretty deep relationship because you've been kind of growing up together. 
and year two comes and you're starting to go, hey, all right, you're 22. Was she finishing school? Yeah, she'd finished school. Okay, she finished school. You finished school. Mm-hmm. You have a job. Yep. And her job, interestingly enough, I mean, she worked for the Sacramento Life Center, which was a pregnancy crisis center. And she worked there for 10 years. And her job was talking to women who had an unplanned or unexpected pregnancy. Wow. That job eventually went into she did counseling for and grief counseling for women who've had abortions. So she spends a decade of her life in her 20s while she's wanting and trying to become pregnant, helping others in a crisis with an unplanned pregnancy. So what a crazy situation there. Okay, so you're 20, you're at 24, she's at 22, and you're starting to try. Yeah. She's working at a life center, talking to women who've aborted their babies, helping them. And you guys are at home trying, and how's that going? We're not having any luck. So one year goes by, two years goes by. You don't really think much of it. It's just not happening. Maybe we're not trying hard enough. Maybe we're not doing it right. But you guys are like following cycles and all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, eventually we start doing classes. We start, you know, going to these seminars about tracking this stuff and that stuff and charts and so apps. So I'm assuming and... she's coming to you. So she's like, hey, I'm not pregnant. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I mean, are you guys having those kinds of conversations every month? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and taking the tests and all that kind of stuff. We We even went to Kaiser and did a... A thing they had there, and then they send you off for blood tests. Let's start getting figuring out what's so going on. So, how far into this are you going and getting blood tests? So, how how long had you been trying to have a kid and no success, and then you're off getting a blood test? A year, two years? Uh, we probably waited quite a while before we started like seriously looking into it. Um, Why? Just because we we didn't feel like we were in a rush. We we wanted it to we're happen like, naturally. Yeah. But eventually you start, you know, start looking at the clock and you start looking at your age and going, man, everybody around us is having kids. You know, we've got to figure out what's going on here and, and kind of uh, come to action in a way. So was she coming to you saying, hey, I think it's time for us to get blood work? Were you going to her? Was it open conversation? I think it was an open conversation. It was a mutual thing. But the tough part about it was, is, you know, I thought I was hitting it on all cylinders in life. You know, we got married young. Um, I got into a good job. I was making decent money. We bought our first house. We bought a car. I thought I had a lot of the things, you know, being a provider. Mm -hmm. But knowing my wife for so long, being a mother and having a child was like her lifelong dream. So all of a sudden I was faced with the situation where I was providing in all these other ways. But it was like this one thing that I, I had no control over. I couldn't change it. I couldn't force it. And I couldn't fix it. And so that started to weigh heavy on me. I mean, I wanted a baby too. I wanted to be a father. But it was more painful for me seeing my wife who I wanted to give everything she wanted. Right. And I couldn't provide that. That was the toughest part for me. Could you talk to her about it? Or did you carry that inside? We talked about it a little bit. Um but a lot of it was just an internal struggle I was having. Like, hey, man, I got to figure this out. Like, we got to fix this because that's what guys do, right? We fix things yeah, when they're broken. It. Yeah. <clears throat> but when you're faced with something you can't, you can't fix or you think you can't fix, then it becomes very frustrating. And then you kind of have a fork in the road and you decide, hey, am I going to just be frustrated and pissed off as we go down this road? Or am I going to try to figure out a way to, to make this right? And so that was kind of the decision we had to make. 
so <clears throat> as you're getting this blood tests and you're starting, you know, you're a few years into this, she's not getting pregnant. You're feeling shitty that you can't do this one thing that your wife really wants. What was the outcome? So eventually it came down to, we, we went to a fertility clinic. We did all this stuff and they're like, Hey, if you give us a bunch of money, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars, we can probably get you pregnant, but there's no guarantee. So then we talked about that decision for a while. And that's not a wrong decision. There's mm-hmm. lots of people to do that. We know people to do that. So we're not saying that's wrong. But we just didn't feel like that was what we were supposed to do in, in this time with our situation. Um, not only that, but again, going back to the practical side of me, I didn't have $15,000 to write right. a check to a doctor in hopes that I become pregnant. I mean, no guarantee. I mean, there's no guarantee to a lot of things in life. A lot of things is risk. But it was just too much for me to risk. And, and the fact that I didn't even have it. How was she with that? I think she was okay. Um, she was really supportive. I mean, then we started going back to our conversations back when we were teenagers. Like, hey, adoption. Well, maybe we had it backwards. Maybe we adopt. <laughs> you know, that's how we grew our family first. And maybe it doesn't always happen the way you planned it. Hey, I'm going to have two or three biological children and then we'll adopt later in life. Maybe now's the time. So she kind of brought that up and was like, hey... So this is after, okay, the, the results come back that it's just, you're just having a hard time or that you're not able to, or, I mean, what, the conclusion is what? What's the conclusion? That it would be nearly impossible to have children. And why? Um, just our bodies weren't so the producing you, the things that we needed to produce. The two of you together yeah. were not able to have kids. Right. And you couldn't even pinpoint it on, this is me or this is you. It was mostly me, if we're being honest. I had more conclusive testing done than she did. And once my testing was done, we kind of we're moved like, on from there. How old were you when you figured that out? Gosh, probably early 30s. Dang. Eight years of trying to figure it out. Yeah. In early 30s, it comes back. I did all this testing. We've known each other since we were 15, 17. And this is not happening. And again, wanting to fix it, they, they asked all the questions. Well, do you drink? Do you do tobacco? Do you do drugs? Do you do you smoke? And it was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I can stop riding my bike. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> <clears throat> but, um, Dude, that's, that's heavy, man. Yeah. So now we're married... I think 10, almost 12 years, no At children. At this point, 10, 12 years, no children. While, all meanwhile, all your friends are freaking having kids. And you're probably going to first kid birthday parties and all this stuff. That, and your wife is working at a life center. Yeah. She eventually, after 10 years, she eventually, um, we actually worked there together for, for a while. I... Uh, Dang. I was real part-time, but we would go around and speak to uh, churches and youth groups and high schools about making healthy choices as uh, young people and how that will mm. affect you the rest of your life. So we actually did that together for a year or two. And then she eventually um, let that go. And um, Was it just, did it become too hard? A little bit. Yeah. And you bring up the fact of the birthday parties and all that. And, you know, there was a period of time where we actually had to stop going to that. It was too hard for her and me. Um, to see a lot of little kids hanging around when that was all we were trying for. 
and all that painful. she wanted. I mean, most women, I, I, I think, you know, want to have a family and be a yeah. mom and stuff like that. So you start saying no to stuff. How were you a husband to her during that time? Like if she was sitting here, how would she say, because it became hard for her, right? One, it's hard for you and you're a guy and you can't do this thing that you want to do. How would she say you were supportive to her? I would think she would say I, I did a decent job. I tried my best, despite our circumstances. And we're and you know, are supportive when it's like, hey, we're not going to this birthday party. We're quitting this job. We're making some changes because this is heavy and hard. That was tough. You know, again, there's certain friends that that I had to not see for a period of time, and I feel bad. Like when you're having your children, you love people to come celebrate with you and be totally. with you. And then the fact that we couldn't reciprocate that in that period of time, I feel bad about that. But I also know how painful it was. And we would go to a, you know, a baby dedication at somebody's house where they're having the pastor over or whatever. And then we'd leave and she'd be in tears. Jeez. So how were you a husband during that time? You, you're at a house, there's a beautiful, healthy baby, two parents, and you're driving away and your wife's bawling. Like, where are you at right there? Trying to hold it together. Trying to be as supportive and compassionate as I can. While also in the back of my mind going, what the hell is wrong? Why can't why yeah. can't we make this work? You're like, God, please. It's yeah. like begging status, right? Yeah. And it just... So then through that, okay, so you, you have this period. So we do the period. medical thing. We do the testing. And, and, and again, just wasn't for us at that time. And we decided, hey, we're going to pursue adoption. That's that's what we're going to do. And I think this is the critical point, right? So I think that dudes, other dudes are going through this same thing. This isn't happening, okay? It's dark. It's whatever. And I think people get divorced over this stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is, and people carry this forever. So you're trying to be supportive. This isn't happening. You love each other. You're like, all right, we're going to figure this out. So then the conversation of adoption comes up. And how does that kind of come into the conversation to this hard time that you guys are in? Again, the fact that we had talked about it years ago, we were both 100% positive. It wasn't a question of should we or shouldn't we. It was just this is going to happen in a different time, a different you know, order that we had thought. Um, but then again, my initial reaction was a little hesitant just because of finances. I said, mm-hmm. I've looked things up. I've done some Googling. Adoptions can cost $30,000, $50,000. Again, we don't have that money. I don't know where that money's going to come from. So why don't we work on getting some savings? We've got some bills we want to pay, things we don't want to pay down. And then maybe if we save for a year, we put some money aside, maybe start working towards that. Yeah. She wasn't having it. She's like, no. She didn't like we, that once idea. Once we decided, I'm ready. So she said, I got a better idea. Why don't we try to start a business? We can open an online shop. We can sell some stuff. We can do some fundraising. I want to get this going right now and I want to, I want to make this happen. And so I supported that and I said, okay, let's try that. So that's what we did. We got a little website together. We got some items that we had thought of, some handcrafted items, some, some designs. We got a graphic designer to make a logo. We got a website. We got all this stuff in the works of starting. And then that's when, um, we decided to ask one of our friends to, to lunch business person, Wanted to run some stuff by them, show them the logo, get some feedback, um, and then kind of go from there. And so 
we go out to, to lunch one day. It was uh, Blast Pizza. I'll never forget sitting in the booth. And so I've got the iPad out, and I open it up, and I flip through the logos and the different options and the website. And our two friends, husband and wife, are sitting there looking, nodding their head. Yeah, that looks good. That looks good. So we get to the end. Like, so what do you think? And they said, well, that's all great, and we love your ideas, and you can definitely pursue that, you know, avenue and raising money and all that stuff. But um, we've been waiting for you to ask us to lunch because we've actually been saving for your adoption and all the expenses have already been saved. And that moment when we're sitting there, my mouth just drops and I look over at my wife and we're just kind of speechless. Like, I don't even have anything. We've never talked to them about adoption. We never talked to them that we were struggling with infertility. Now, obviously, we've been married for a dozen years. So unless people thought we hated kids, (laughs) most people might assume that. But we've never sat down and talked to them about this. We've never taken them out and... Told them and how long have you known them? Gosh, probably five or six years. So they'd seen you guys. Yeah. And I'm assuming they must be a bit older then. Yeah, a little bit. And they just said, hey, we, we always had an, a heart for adoption ourselves, but we never adopted and haven't adopted yet. And so the fact that this has been in our heart, when we saw you, we knew that eventually one day we'd be a part of that. And so we've been saving. And I think my first reaction was, well, do you know how much adoption costs? Yeah, yeah. Because it can, it can get up there. And they're like, yeah, we know. It's, it's all taken care of. How much so, money did they have to give you? Well, they ended up paying for the adoption directly. So it wasn't like they wrote a check that day because yeah. you don't know how much an adoption costs. Yeah. So they right? just cash roll. So they were basically like, yeah, we've got an open book to whatever the adoption is going to cost. And what do you think it was going to handle? Cost? Well, just from what I know, I, like I said, they could be anywhere from twenty to 40000 depending on the situation and so what you, you're paying for. So you and your wife are sitting at Blast Pizza, and they're like, we were waiting for you to ask us to lunch. Yeah. That's wild. It, it, it reminds you that unless you like step out to actually do something, you can just sit in the sidelines and like never get involved. But you got to take action. So that's what we were doing. We were coming up with a plan, and the plan got totally flipped around yeah instead of a year of fundraising and and whatever it was like boom now we've got the funds so that's exciting but here we've got the money to do an adoption now which is usually the hardest part for most people right right but now it's like okay now now what god now what do we do how do how do we you know where do we go so we start looking at adoption agencies and meeting with people and looking at things and didn't sign up with anybody, didn't, took a lot of business cards and yeah. numbers, but didn't do anything. And then the strangest thing happened. Our, Stranger than somebody giving you 40 grand. Yeah. Okay. Our pastor at church, and this is within a within a week. Of meeting the people at Blast Pizza? Yes. Okay. He actually gets wind that they've offered this to us, and he comes to us, and he's like, hey, you've got to come up in front of the church and share this story. And this is amazing that you guys go through all this. You want to adopt, you get ready to do fundraising and you meet with somebody and they tell you that they've got the money for you and they've been saving it for you. That's amazing. And I said, pastor, why don't we wait? He said, what do you mean? Wait? I said, let's wait until we actually adopt a baby. And then we can tell the whole story and then the, how the baby comes and all that. And he goes, no, I want to do this now. This is a, a miracle. God provided you guys with the finances to do an adoption. I think it's a miracle. We want to talk about this now. 
he said, when the baby comes, we'll do another, we'll do another talk. You can come back up and we'll share it again. I said, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to fight you on that. If you want to do that, that's fine. So we scheduled it and you know, the next Sunday we were going to share that story in church. On Friday, I get a call from my pastor and I thought he's just briefing me on the Sunday, you know, whatever. And he's like, don't get too excited from what I'm about to tell you. And I said, what's going on? So I get Ashley on the phone. He says, I just got a Facebook message today. In 20 plus years of being a full-time pastor, I've never gotten a message like this. We're supposed to speak on Sunday about the money, right? Yeah. He says, um, I just got this Facebook message from a guy and he says his sister is pregnant and is 17 years old and is looking for somebody to adopt. And I replied back, and he said, do you know anybody who's looking to adopt? And he said, I replied back, not only do I know somebody, but they're speaking at church on Sunday. Why don't you come to our church, listen to them speak, and I'll introduce you to them after church on Sunday. So he said, so I don't know what this means or where this is going, but just want to let you know that you got somebody to meet on Sunday. So no pressure, but one, you didn't want to talk, <laughs> and two... Someone's going to be in the audience that might have a baby. So yeah, frick. So how are you and your wife? Like you get off the phone and what's that, what's that moment look like when you hang up that phone and you look at each other? Hesitant excitement. Like, oh my gosh, we just got all the money gifted to us. Yeah. And within the next breath, all of a sudden there's a 17 year old with a baby and she wants to do an adoption. Mm. Like this is insane. But this is 12 years of buildup of wanting to have a child. So we don't want to get our hopes up just to have our hearts crushed again, right? So we're trying to get that balancing act of, okay, be calm, be cool. So we weren't thinking that this was going to be a sure thing or we've got this. We're just thinking this is an opportunity yeah. and, and a possibility. Right. So Sunday comes, we share God's miracle in front of the church. It was an amazing event. And afterwards... We get introduced to this guy, really nice guy. And he's the dad or the brother? Brother. So how old is he? If his sister's 17. Like 20. Yikes. And yeah. he's the one who's making some decision around this or what? I guess, I guess um, his sister and mom said, hey, reach out to your church. And he had gone there a few times. I don't know that he attended regularly. Yeah, yeah. His mom or sister had never been there. <laughs> okay, so you share... Tons of pressure, probably. But cool. It's like, hey, this is a cool story. Yeah, yeah. This is the path we're on. Right. And you go meet this dude. Yeah. Hit it off with him. It was a quick discussion. We talked. We shook so this hands. isn't just like the lobby of the church? Right in the middle. Right in the middle of the sanctuary. And um, we exchanged numbers. And we set up a lunch appointment where I will meet his mom on Monday, the next day, at uh, lunchtime. Chick-fil-A. And how, how far along did he say his sister was? Didn't say. He didn't say. He's just like, my sister's pregnant. Yep. Hmm. Didn't say. Okay. So then the next day you're going to meet the mom. Yeah. You meet him. You guys go home after a freaking weird day. We go to lunch because our whole family showed up because we oh, were sharing. Here. Yeah. Okay. And so we were like, should we say something? Should we not? We decided to say oh, something. So they didn't know about that you met no. the dude. So we told him and then they all freaked out. 
They're course. crying and oh my gosh, this is gonna happen. And we're like, because everybody's down. like on miracle train right now. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're, we we go to bed that night. Actually, I'm still awake. Ashley's asleep on the couch dozing, and I'm kind of excited. Can't really sleep. Don't really want to sleep. Just kind of still in this dream state. Like, man, this is all just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's almost midnight. And I get a text from this guy. We had exchanged numbers at church that morning. And the text said, my mom wants to talk to you. Are you available? At midnight? Okay. And so, so that's I a don't weird know, text. I don't know if his sister's two months pregnant or ten months pregnant. Yeah. And my first thought was, man, if we start taking texts at midnight, this could get a little crazy. Right. So I almost like wanted to wait till the morning to respond. Like that's the normal, yeah. You know, conservative thing then to do. Then you're definitely right? not gonna be able to sleep. So I nudge Ashley and I'm like, "Hey, he's texting me. He wants to. <laughs> his mom right? wants to wants to make a phone call right now. Aren't we meeting for lunch tomorrow at Chick Fil A?" So I text back, "Yeah, of course." You know, phone rings. It's his mom on the phone. Hey, nice to meet you, I'm Matt. Blah blah blah. He said, "Well." My son's told me about you and that you guys are looking to adopt. Um, are you guys ready to adopt? That was her question. And I said, well, yeah, that's why we're doing this thing. She's all, no, I mean like right now. I said, what do you mean? She's all, well, we're at the hospital. And if you guys were going to be involved with this, I figured you might want to be here. And I said, what hospital? She says, we're in Roseville. I said, we can be there in an hour. So we jump up. <laughs> Dude, the whole time I'm doing charades bro. with the wife, like trying to tell her what's happening on the oh, other end of the you're phone. On, you know, it's not on speakerphone, right. so you're on the phone, and, and she's like, why is I'm doing like baby <laughs> movements. Baby's coming now, delivery motions with my hand. what's she doing, dude? What's her face? I think, I can't remember. Everything's such a blur. I think, her, I think her eyes were just like wide open, like this is not happening. She yeah. probably started tearing up. Now again, we got the money like the week before. We met this guy today. We've done nothing. There's no baby stuff. There's no crib. Oh, yeah, gosh. There's no car seat. We've got nothing. We jump in the car, zoom down the hill, show up at the hospital. And there's nobody there. The place is completely deserted. We're in the cafeteria. We're the only ones there. Me and my wife sit down. We meet um, her sister and her mom. And we're talking to him. And we're basically like doing an interview, like introducing ourselves. Here we are. We had actually had a prototype of one of the things we were making. And uh, it had a little tag on it with a picture of us on it. She says, oh, can I take that and show my sister? I said, sure. So she took that into the hospital room. We still haven't met her. So the sister of the girl who's about mm-hmm. to have a baby takes this. What was it that you had made? It was an anchor. Okay, it's an anchor and yeah. a picture of you guys with a little story on the back of the picture or something? A little, little tagline or something. Okay. And this, you had built this little brand to raise money to... Right. This was like adopt. a prototype of, of some So of she goes stuff. in and so... I'm going to show this to my sister. Yeah, this is, this is going to be her introduction to you. So... So you're sitting there with the mom. We're talking to her for a few more minutes and then her sister comes back and goes, Okay, she'd like to meet you guys now. So Yikes. it's like two in the morning now. Two or three in the morning, we go in there and meet this 17-year-old girl. And it was wild, man. She had um, 
She had never been to the hospital or done a single checkup before that night. She didn't want to believe she was pregnant. So she just hid it? Or just acted yeah. like she wasn't pregnant? Yeah, that's why the family waited so long, because they, they weren't ever told. It was winter time, so she was wearing sweatshirts and baggy clothes. and So that was her first time in the hospital. No prenatal, no checkups, no appointments. No ultrasound. Right. And Nothing. she And she worked as a server at a restaurant up until that night. Probably an eight-hour shift that day. 17 years old. So then... What's the question? So we what? sit down. I'm making jokes. I'm trying yeah. to be funny. Yeah. She's laughing. We're having fun. Time flies by. Probably an hour or two. I don't know. An hour. It's just small talk. Like get to know you kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. She had a boyfriend there in the hospital room with her, but wasn't the father of the baby. Um, so we're just talking and all of a sudden, boom, water breaks. There's fluid everywhere. The nurses say, okay, everybody out. We're going to clean the room up and get her. Get her ready for delivery. You've had no conversation. This is just... We haven't talked about anything. We haven't signed anything. We didn't ask her, so do you like us? Are we going to do an adoption? Nothing. Right. So we're just out in those waiting rooms. You know, the chairs and the big square. How freaking random. So you don't know these people. You're like, hey, here we are. This is us. 2 a.m. We're trying to be your friend now. Mm -hmm. And now we're in the waiting room, but we're with people we don't know. And Yeah. So the doctor goes in and does his normal questions and has a private conversation with her and does all that and comes out and one of them says, where's Matt? I go, I'm right here. So I walk up. So we were just in there with her and we were asking her questions, going through different things. And then we asked about the umbilical cord and we asked her if she wanted to have anybody cut the umbilical cord. And she said, Matt. And I was like, well, that's a good sign. <laughs> that's unbelievable. So, so not only is she wanting to go through with an ad- this adoption, but she wants me to cut the umbilical cord. So a couple hours later at 623, that Monday morning, I cut the umbilical cord of my daughter. I was there for the whole birth. And um, was Ashley in there with you? Ashley was holding her hand the whole time. As this little girl's being born. <laughs> And me and Ashley were the first ones to hold her. And then the hospital was great. They actually ended up giving us our own room. We were there two nights with her. Um, doing all the normal things. The feeding, the changing, the diapers, all that stuff. And it was just the wildest two or three days of our life. Dude. That's wild. Yeah. Um, and everything just fell into place. I mean, it was the most... Miraculous situation from beginning to end, from from the finances and God relieving that stress off of us, to the baby just literally showing up at church that Sunday morning in, in the in the uh, form of that that brother, who I mean God, thank God for him yeah. reached out and, and and did what he want, what he what he had to do for that baby, to everything. I mean, when you have a baby in the hospital. Um, I'm sure you know this with as many children as you have. One of the things they bring you is the form that says, what are you going to name the baby? Here, yeah. fill it in. Birth mom gets the form and goes, it's not going to be my baby. Have Matt and Ashley fill this out. I'll sign it. So they actually bring us the form. We get to put Dude. first name, middle name, and last name. And then she signs it. And this is something I learned. I didn't know. Your baby, 
even you, Ned, your baby doesn't automatically get your last name. You choose that name when they're born. They don't have to get that last name. But everybody does yeah, because yeah. that's tradition. So she, so we write in our last name. We never have to do a name change, even through the whole adoption process, the legal process. That was one of the steps we get to skip because there's no name change required because she was born with our name. And so it was just amazing. I mean, every single thing along along the path just fell into place. <sighs> Man, that's wild. So, <clears throat> I don't even know what to ask, you know, is it the focus is on you <clears throat> as the dad. Yeah. As the husband. Dude, how wild, man. All those years waiting and then in seven day period, just freaking here you go. Yeah, from sitting there on the couch on Sunday to becoming parents overnight was such a whirlwind. Was yeah. such a so then you come home. I mean, shoot, just your friends and community gather around. Here's a car seat. Here's a crib. Here's yeah. How our... were you a dad that week? Some... How was come becoming a dad overnight? Most of us get nine months to like prepare. I know you became a dad overnight in a few hours. It was wild. Somebody brought us a car seat. I, I should remember who. My wife, I'm sure, does. Hopefully they're not listening to this. Yeah. And then we get home, and we open the door, and the house is entirely filled <laughs> with baby stuff. Like, what, three days later? Yeah. Dude. And it was from everybody, from friends, from family. Yeah. There's diapers, there's a crib, there's formula, there's everything just piled up. And it was just another one of those things, like, you just, Wow. God's so good. If some dude's listening to this right now <clears throat> and he's in the struggle of, I believe in miracles, right? This is clearly a miracle story. Yeah. And God is good. You said that. But it doesn't always happen that way. Right. And I think so much of the time, you know, we share a story like this, which is... Freaking incredible, right? Really, I want, you know, you and I want to talk about the struggle of not being able to have kids. But you can't not share this miraculous story. Yeah. So what do you say to the dude who is in the middle of either I'm realizing I can't have kids or I'm going to say yes to adoption. I mean, this story isn't going to happen every time. And not that I want to say miracles don't happen. But what's the thing that you as now a dad tell another dad who might be in one of those two situations? For sure. Well, one thing I take away from this is that, because um, we're talking about fatherhood, you know, that's mm -hmm. the theme. And a father is a lot more than just a sperm donor. You know, anybody can be a sperm donor, you know. But you have to have an intentionality to be a father and to be present. And I believe you can be a father in a lot of different scenarios and situations. Um, I've got a friend who uh, is almost in his 20th year at the uh, Sacramento Police Department. And a big chunk of his career has been working in a classroom at a high school. And I'm not talking about a resource officer who's the security for the campus. I'm talking 
teaching leadership skills and classes at a high school level with kids one-on-one and talk about being a father to kids. Probably a, a good chunk of the kids in that class don't have fathers. Yeah. So I think you can be a father in a lot of different situations and whether you're an adopted father or a father as a coach on a baseball team to kids that, that don't have fathers, there's a lot of opportunities out there. So it doesn't have to be just adoption, but just be willing to, to make yourself available to be a father. I think is is a key. Yeah. You said something a little while ago because I really I don't want to downplay the miracle but I want to let people a life is messy. Yeah. Your story's not going to be Matt's story, you know, your story's going to be something else. But you said so many people sit on the sidelines, we started taking action. And you clearly didn't give up. You might have shifted your plan, but you didn't give up and you didn't wane from the thought that you were going to provide a kid for your, yeah, or you were going to be a part of providing a kid for your wife. You're going to figure that out. And you said, take action. So we started this business plan. So part of me is thinking as others are listening is just start taking action and be willing to shift your plan. Yes. Be willing to adapt. I think um, too often we get busy with life and work or business or what have you. And so we can just let certain things, just let them go and not give them the energy or the priority they need. And so I think if you just sit through life and let things pass you by, then you can miss out on opportunities. And so I think that's what we were fighting against is let's do something to change this. Let's not just keep going day to day, month to month, year to year, not doing anything differently. And I think that's when we saw a change and a result is when we decided to take a step forward and actually do something. Hmm. And not sit and wait. Right. I think sometimes we even might hear the miracle story and we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll just wait longer. And wait and wait and wait. But it's like, no, go take action, but be willing to adapt. Yeah. Like you said. Dude, this is so good. Matt, now you have another kid. You adopted another. He yes. Jack's 14 months old, and that's like a whole other story we could share another day. And I'll tell you, it did not quite go the same as adoption number one. I'll just leave you with that. Yeah, so let's definitely come back and share that because... That would be great. You go, man, that was easy. Well, let's try it again, right? (laughs) All right, so let's do that next. But, dude, I I see you with your kids. I see how much you love your wife and your children and how intentional you are and how you are their father and love them and provide for them and take care of them. And you're intentional, dude, and it's really awesome to watch. You're a great dad. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. So good. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What each and every one of you do freaking matters so much. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, your spouse, and your community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood.